There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Hi, thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Nada Youssef, and you're listening to Health Essentials Podcast by Cleveland Clinic. Today, we're broadcasting from Cleveland Clinic main campus here in Cleveland, Ohio, and we're here with Dr. Regina Josel. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Dr. Josel is a clinical psychologist in the Department of Psychiatry and Psychology in Cleveland Clinic's Center for Behavioral Health, and today we're talking about grief. And please remember, this is for informational purposes only, and it's not intended to replace your own physician's advice. So let's talk about grief. It's a natural response. That, you know, it's accompanied with deep sadness and loneliness. But what is healthy grieving? So like you said, it's a natural response. It's a normal reaction to any kind of loss. Um, and it can people experience it in different ways. But typically, you're going to have a number of different intense emotions, sadness, um, sometimes anger, irritability, um, guilt, some, all of those, depends on the person. Um, but in addition to the emotional aspect, there also are a number of physical, sometimes behavioral, um, cognitive symptoms. So difficulty concentrating, difficulty making decisions, um, a little loss of hope about the future or confusion about what direction somebody is going to go in. Physical symptoms can be difficulty sleeping, um, loss of appetite with weight loss. Um, sometimes people try to self-medicate, and so sometimes there's a problem maybe a little bit more alcohol or, um, or other drug use. Um, so a constellation of symptoms. Yeah. So how, it sounds a lot almost like depression, like maybe anxiety and depression. How mm -hmm. can you tell the difference between depression and grieving? It's a really good question, and the answer is kind of complicated <laughs> because they can mimic each other quite a bit. Um, with grief, depression tends to be uh, what we call a stage. Um, we'll get to that more of that later. But um, depression is one stage of grief that people can move in and out of. The sadness that goes along with that tends to be related to the loss. Um, in major depression or other depressive disorders, usually that um, loss of interest in previously enjoyed activities or that dysthymic, depressed mood, sadness, tearfulness, isn't necessarily stimulated by, that, by a particular loss. It's more pervasive. Um, in major depression, you might have feelings of worthlessness that don't necessarily go along with grief. Um, and I think in major depression versus grief, you're going to notice more functional impairment. So over a more extended period of time. Um, but grief can turn into depression. And so it's really important that, um, that grief gets addressed when somebody is experiencing it so it doesn't turn into something worse. Thank you. So a lot of people think that grief is a result of death, mm -hmm. but it could be a result of just unfortunate events. Could it be like a losing a pet? Could it be a divorce? Could it be anything like that? Absolutely. Loss. Loss. Um, some people will define it as any change in somebody's regular routine can trigger grief. Um, but absolutely. Divorce, the end of a relationship, 
loss of a pet for sure, loss of a job, um, financial changes, you know, so a bankruptcy, a loss of a home, all of those can stimulate grief. Thank you. So is this something that comes and goes or is grief a feeling that just like a blanket that just stays with you until it's gone? Oh, no, it comes and goes. <laughs> yeah. And I think people who have experienced grief will really um, relate to that. Um, you could be having a great day and you're driving in the car and all of a sudden a song comes on the radio and you're crying. And um, so typically it, it can come in waves um, and it can come and go in intensity and in the symptomology that people experience. Yeah. So you mentioned like a song in the car or something. So it's something that's triggering it that reminds you of the emotion or is it that why? It can be, but it doesn't have to be that. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Great. So you mentioned stages of grief. Mm -hmm. Can we talk a little bit about that? Sure. So Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was a psychiatrist who, um, and a researcher who really spent her life studying the dying process and the after effects of death on survivors. And so she developed a five-stage um, protocol basically, uh, of death and dying. Um, and so that helps us kind of understand the process, but it's not all-inclusive. And so as we talk about these stages, I don't want to give the impression that everybody goes through these, that something's wrong if you don't. Some people don't go through all the stages. And it's not nice and sequential <laughs> all the time. Um, people can pop in and out of different stages. Um, but there are basically five stages. Um, so the first one, denial, which is just kind of this difficulty comprehending the, the reality of it. And, and the way I, I have seen it with people is just diff not always the reality of it, but the finality of it. You know, that this is really, this is really my life now. Like there has been this significant loss and things are different and they're not going back to the way that they were. And that takes a while to kind of wrap your head around it. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. So denial is the first step. What about something like anger? Yes. Yeah, so anger is um, another stage, yeah. if you will, um, and perfectly natural response. And the anger can be directed at a variety of sources. Um, and it's not always rational. You know? right. <laughs> so it could be directed at yourself. It could be directed at doctors, the hospital, it could be directed at the deceased. They should have done this, they shouldn't have done that. Um, it could be directed at God or a higher being. Um, sometimes just innocent bystanders, you know, the guy at the checkout line at the grocery store who looked at you funny, you know, it may get directed there. Wow, wow. Yeah. So um, thinking like what ifs. Yes. Is that is that something like, uh, I know you had a word for it earlier, it's not regret, but what is it? Bargaining. Bargaining. Can yeah, so bargaining that? is another stage. Um, and we see this often in the process of dying, um, you know, things, uh, thoughts like, okay, if you let me get better, you know, I promise I'm going to go to church every week, or I promise I'm never going to, you know, let my husband get better and I'll never be angry with him again, you know, um, but it can take a form even after a loss, um, in the sense of, you know, wow, if we'd gone to a different doctor, maybe things would have turned out differently. You know, if we hadn't gone on that vacation and he wouldn't have contracted this disease, maybe things would turn out differently. You know, if, if I'd gotten the electric collar for my dog a day earlier, maybe she wouldn't have run out into the street. You know, so that kind of, um, I mean, there's some regret in there, um, but it's kind of this like mental gymnastics that we're doing to try to undo something that we can't undo. So it also kind of sounds like, 
a little bit of guilt of I could have, I would have. Sure. How do you deal with something like that, especially after someone maybe passes or something changes, you know, forever? How do you sure. deal with that? Well, it, guilt is a normal response um, shortly after we've lost somebody or have experienced a loss. Sure. Um, I think part of the way that people deal with that is, well, two things. One is you got to feel the feelings. And I will say this about, you know, the entire process of grief. Um, trying to push away how we feel generally doesn't work. Trying to, and often we'll have friends who will try to talk us out of our guilt, right? Which is very, you know, very kind, very sympathetic. Um, but I think for people to get through it, they have to feel heard. And that goes, that goes along with any of these emotions. So I think people have to be able to um, think what they want to think. And then after it's been expressed, maybe do what we call cognitive restructuring. So start to looking at the evidence, start to look at, okay, is this really, you know, how things went down? Is this really what I'm responsible for? And sometimes that just happens pretty naturally. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sometimes it needs a little nudge. Yeah. <laughs> and then you mentioned depression. That's, sure. that's another level of it. Absolutely. And once you're done with that, what is the final stage? Well, um, acceptance. Acceptance. Yeah. Okay. And, and so acceptance is a sense of, you know, understanding that there is a finality to what has happened, right? That this is your new reality, um, but also maintaining a hope for the future and being able to experience like good memories, you know, of the past and to be able to hold that with the sadness. The sadness, the loss doesn't, the emptiness doesn't necessarily go away completely. You know, if we've ever loved somebody and we've lost them um, or loved a way of life that we have and we've lost that, there's going to be some sadness that's attached to that, you know, maybe forever. But in acceptance, when we have kind of resolved our grief, um, we can hold the good memories sure. with that. Sure. We can have memories and not, and it not send us into, you know, complete dysfunction, back crying in the bed every day. So I can imagine there's not really a normal amount of time to grieve. Correct. Normal, right? Yeah. So, but when is um, too long? When yeah. is it too long and when is it time yeah. to see you or a specialist? That's another good question. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and again, it's kind of complicated. Um, uncomplicated grief can last for a year, sometimes two. Um, excuse me. Um, in, when we are grieving a loss, um, Symptoms will vary. They will change in intensity. But for the first year or two, you might experience a lot of those symptoms. Also, I see for, for a lot of people that first year, sometimes they are so numb that, and they're so busy dealing with like the business side of grief. Like, okay, I've got to do the bank accounts or I've got to, um, you know, get rid of the newspaper. I've got to change the, the um, note on the car, you know. So they're so busy with the work that they don't always have an opportunity to feel. So sometimes there's a little bit of a delay. Um, that doesn't mean you shouldn't get help, even if it's uncomplicated and even if it's still normal. Um, I say people should get help, a couple things. If you feel you're suffering, go talk to somebody. Um, one way that we get through grief is that we talk about it. And um, that can be with a friend, it could be with a family member. They're not always the best people to do that because they may be grieving as well. Um, and that can be helpful, but sometimes it's not. So if somebody is suffering, you know, um, 
go see somebody. If you are not functioning, <laughs> right? If you are not, after a couple of weeks, I say, not returning to work, not, and it doesn't have to be your best work, <laughs> but are you up and out of bed and going? Um, if you are um, not taking care of the kids, if you're not re-engaging in like activities of daily living, if you're not doing your hygiene, showering every day or every other, um, if you're not doing chores, things like that. So if you're functionally, um, if there's a functional impairment, you're not doing your norm, probably should go talk to somebody. Yeah. So it sounds like the five stages that we talked about earlier of grieving, it sounds like if you're stuck on one of these levels, mm -hmm. unless it's acceptance, mm -hmm. that's when you should see someone? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that, absolutely. That makes sense. So let's talk about what we can do to heal ourselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, the things that we can do. I really like what you said about feeling your feelings. Yeah. Because sometimes when they do that, some people disconnect from, you know, friends and family. And yes. some people do the opposite. Some people are distracted. Yeah. How, 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 what is the right balance? Well, you know, we get a lot of negative messages about grief, I think. And so it really impedes people from being able to go through the process. Um, you know, we're often told don't cry because it makes people uncomfortable. Right. Um, and people are, again, they're trying to be kind, but we get that message and we often get it pretty young. Don't cry. You know, we get a message, go grieve in private, um, which is not usually very healthy. Um, and so, one of the best things that we can do is feel your feelings. If you feel like crying, cry. Crying's a manifestation of emotion. You know, that's, that's all it is. It can get detrimental, but when you're grieving, if you're sad, cry. You know, um, tell your story. I think that is one of the most important things. For grief to resolve, it needs to be witnessed. People need to know what we're going through. And I don't mean everybody. Um, <clears throat> I once heard a, what I thought was a really great idea. Somebody had the, an idea, you know, the little pins that people wear for like AIDS awareness and, you know, breast cancer about if you're grieving that you should wear a pin. So people around, you know, and just maybe a little nicer to you. Um, so I tell people, tell your story, you know, find somebody who will listen. The first thing I do when someone comes to my office, if they're grieving is I want to hear what happened. I want to know about that relationship. It was, if it was a relationship, that's a loss. I want to know the process of that person's illness or the accident. I want to know about their funeral. I want to know what they're doing now. And, and um, because there is healing in telling your story. Um, so <laughs> funny note, my husband and I were in a, in a, we were driving to take our daughter to orientation and um, our car literally blew up. Like there was a fire, we were all fine. Um, but it, it was a little traumatic wow. and in hindsight, there was a loss. I mean, we left this car, but it was also this loss of a sense of safety. Yes. And um, we, we got to where we were going. My mother came and rescued us <laughs> and we got there and everywhere we, so then all our stuff was in the fire. So wow. um, we had to go to Target and you know buy some things. Everywhere we went, we were telling people our story. <laughs> we were telling people at the checkout line. We were telling people everywhere we went. Our car blew up. Like, and you found that it helped? Well, it, was, it, out? it did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was funny. It was like in the process, didn't really realize what we were doing. And sure. after the fact, and my husband is also a psychologist. We're like, we're like oh, my God. We just like told everybody <laughs> that everywhere we went. And um, But it was. It was healing. Yes. Um, yes. So I tell people, tell your story. Sure. Share your story. Feel your feelings. Um, 
I think one thing that is really helpful for people is to get educated about the grieving process. Yes. Like I said, we, we tend to give people negative messages. Don't cry, grieve in private, bear your feelings. Time will heal it. Time alone doesn't heal it. Um, so I tell people, get educated about the process. Um, the stages are not the end-all, be-all, but they're, I think they do give people a good understanding of what is normal. And when people understand, oh, okay, it's normal that I'm crying in the car you know, spontaneously. Oh, it's normal that I got, you know, two progress notes done today when normally I can do 30. Um, that when they recognize that what they're experiencing is normal, they feel less like a freak. And that is really healing. You know, when people feel like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, something else is wrong with me, um, it makes the healing process much more difficult. So it sounds like grieving is normal. You are okay to get mm -hmm. emotional outbursts in the car, sure. anything that maybe stirs up some memories, sure. but as long as you're doing your everyday routine, you're, you're able to go back to work, you're able to take care of your kids and shower and all that good stuff, right? That, that is helpful, but you still might be suffering. Okay. You know, the emotional aspect of it, some pe people are just like, they're, they're, they look like they're keeping it all together, and they are but it's taken every bit of energy that they have. And so it's, it could still be a good idea to go talk to somebody. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's say I have a loved one that's going through maybe death of family or loved one for them. Um, tell me what not to do. You know, okay. what to do, maybe, you know, see what they want <laughs> yeah. in space, but what not to do. Yeah, um, don't minimize it, okay. you know. Um, yeah, don't minimize it. Just allow them to express themselves. Um, be supportive, try to stay away from platitudes, you know, oh, they're in a better place. If the person grieving says that, absolutely, you want to agree with them, yes, you know, but um, if they're not initiating it, I wouldn't initiate that, you know. Um, it, what, what it can do is it diminishes your own, ex that person's experience of what, what they're going through. Um, don't say time heals all wounds. <laughs> you can say things like, it'll get better. Sure. You know, it'll get better. You know, this is, this is going to be hard right now for sure. But so you can give encouragement, um, without like without platitudes. Sure. Yeah. So I'm the grieving person. Yeah. What should I not be doing? We talked about healing ourselves, feeling our yeah. feelings. What should I not do to deal with my grief? Well, you don't want to push it away okay. completely. I mean, sometimes, sometimes we just have to like, you know, shelve it for, you know, an hour or two and then we get home and we can, you know, um, let it out again. Um, but try not to bury it, you know, don't pretend it's not happening. Um, don't ignore it. Don't over medicate, like don't, don't self medicate, um, alcohol, food, um, you know, other substances can, um, numb what we're feeling. Um, all it does is postpone it. You know, I know a lot of times people will, um, go see their physician, right after, you know, when they're grieving. And physicians, God love them, you know, their instinct is, I want to help, right? And so here's some medication, this will help. I, I really, that really makes me nervous. I don't like to medicate grief um, because it's a natural process. And sometimes medications can help. If, if you're not sleeping for weeks, yes, you know, give them something temporarily that might help with that. But um, I'm reluctant to like heavily medicate grief because it normally it will resolve. Yeah. So when you think about medicine, you're thinking about kind of, uh, 
needing solution for sleep or for the symptoms that come out of yes. grieving. Okay. Short term. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And then lastly, I just want to talk about facts of grieving. Mm -hmm. So we said it is absolutely normal and everyone grieves differently. Correct. Someone can have their space and it's okay. Someone yeah. wants to be in the middle of people. That's okay. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And I like how you, again, you said feel your feelings. So the way out of grief is through it. You feel it. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard works and it comes and goes. Correct. Right? Okay. Correct. Anything else you wanted to add to this? Um, just a couple other things that can help yes. the person when they're going through it. Um, journaling can be really helpful, you know, because sometimes we don't have somebody that we can talk to um, or that we're comfortable with that. And, and so some people either... You can use it in a couple of different ways. You can monitor your emotions because sometimes people feel like, oh my God, I'm still feeling this. But if they look back, they can see that it's getting less intense or it's getting less frequent or they're having more good moments. Um, you can journal about your feelings. Sometimes people will use it as a way to talk to the, the person that they lost um, and that that can be really healing. Um, take care of yourself. You know, a lot of times when we... Um, when we're very sad, when we're angry, when we're in a bad place, we stop eating, we stop sleeping, um, we stop seeing our friends. Take care of yourself. Go back to the basics. You know, water, you know, healthy food, exercise. Exercise is one of the best things that we can do when we're experiencing any kind of intense emotion. Um, it's great for anxiety. It's great for anger. Um, you're angry. You get on a treadmill for 20 minutes and it will really significantly go down. Um, and with depression, it will in, it'll increase endorphins. So it'll bring your mood up. Um, affirmations, you know, reminding yourself that this is a stage of life you know, that you're not going to live here forever, um, that things will get better, I think can be really helpful. Um, meditation, guided imagery, yoga, those are all really good self-care activities that can help induce a sense of peace um, and, a, and a sense of calm, you know, and give people more of a sense of control back over their life. Because a lot of what people are experiencing with grief is that they've lost control. Things have changed and, and often, you know, as no fault of their own or, you know, unexpectedly. And so when we do things that take care of us all, ourselves, it gives us a sense of control again. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. You were amazing. You're welcome. Thank you. And thanks for all of our listeners who joined us today. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For an appointment with Dr. Jozel or another specialist in Cleveland Clinic Center for Behavioral Health, please call 216 636 Six zero, or you can visit clevelandclinic.org slash behavioral health. And to listen to more of our health essentials podcast from Cleveland Clinic experts, make sure you go to clevelandclinic.org slash HE podcast. And for more health tips, news, and information from Cleveland Clinic, make sure you're following us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cleveland Clinic, just one word. And thank you again for listening. We'll see you again next time. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic health essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.